So what I want to know is where you got the idea that we'd be able to do two recordings of now entering the Royal Rumble within one hour. It's fake news. I never heard anything like that in my life. Because well, it felt like you were really pushing that um, during our last episode. I don't recall. No? No. I recall. And I, my memory is pretty good. Hmm. Is it? Because you're old as shit. Yeah, you know, I'm a whole, what, like 11 months older than you? That's a lot. There's a lot of cognitive decline in 11 months. Tell me about it. Just in the last 11 months, I feel like my cognitive decline is like enhanced grade. <laughs> Speaking of declines, I was watching um, <laughs> NXT TakeOver New York recently. Oh. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was watching it. And uh, they showed Edge and Beth Phoenix in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized it's been a long three years for most people. Right. But my Lord, he looked like he was like 21 in that in that clip. And he looked so old. And back <laughs> well, like, I, I'm sure to come back. I, I mean, I'm sure he was in good shape. Right. But I'm sure he's like, fuck it. If I'm coming back, I'm going to come back like the most shredded version of myself. And that's got to take a toll. Yeah. He just looks so young in that clip. And I'm like, it's legit just three years. But again, I know if I looked at pictures of me in 2019, I'd be like, fuck. How did Beth Phoenix look? The same. She never ages. I feel like she looks identical across history. So do you think that, like, it's her influence that's aging Edge? No, I don't think she does anything wrong. You don't think she's, like, some sort of secret harpy? Nope. Mm. Nope. And Edge is on my screen right now with the raw on, so there's a little returns for you. Is he, is, he, um, is he in that chair that's too small for him? <laughs> no, he's uh, doing something backstage, but... I just feel that chair they've chosen for him makes him look like Mr. Burns. Is it like, like his, when you when you go to like um, a child's birthday party and they set up the big inflatable throne for them, something like that? Yes. Yeah. Well, but those are too big for him. Edge. The, it's like when you. It's like you know when you know when you get like you know those like camping chairs that like the foldable camping chairs that like they make a child size. Mm-hmm. It's it's like when there's nowhere else to sit, so you as a joke sit in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and are as they a joke. Call, yeah. Are they? Yeah, as a joke. Just, I just want to sit down. Are they called Judgment Day? Um, no, they're called No Mercy. Okay, because I was hoping to be Armageddon. Or is it Unforgiven? <laughs> the whole angle's Unforgiven. <laughs> oh God, when we get to Edge, it's gonna be so long. Mm. But then again, that probably won't be till like 2025. So. <sighs> well. The one that I can promise you when we get there is that I'll be complaining to you about making me do this podcast like I constantly do otherwise. Will it be Edge or will it be somebody else first? Um, looking at the lists, yeah, it's probably Kane. coming soon. Kane. It's Kane. It's Kane, right? At Triple H. It's got to be Kane. The, well, you know, the problem with uh, Kane, I'm sure, has some short ones, though. But I think Triple H, it's like they're all long. Yeah. That's the killer when there's like multiple 30 to 40 minutes. Like some of these longer ones are OK when they're like six, seven minutes, you know. Whatever. Yeah, I can I can get through it. Yeah, Triple H is total runtime is four hours. And Kane's is three thirty. God damn. That's a lot. But Kane has like a hundred of them, and Triple H has like half. (laughs) (coughs) Right, right. Because he's always in the title matches. Against someone we're talking about tonight. Mm. Now entering. The Royal Rumble.
Scott Steiner. I love that music to this day. I want a mashup of that and his Big Papa Pump song. Holler if you hear me. Holler if you hear me. is it the Uh, best like collegiate marching band style wrestling theme ever because there's been a few yeah i think so i mean yeah i guess the the other comparable would be jr's but that's just a real one right well it's funny because for years i thought this was the real michigan one because i feel like they said it like when they first joined like is, or they said something along those lines, and I just assumed this was like the Michigan fight song. Right. I, I could buy that. Um, it's not, right? No, I know. Now I know. I don't know. I don't know anything about college football so or college sports. Now, what would be the other comparables? Would it be the Spirit Squad? Spirit Squad. I feel like the Varsity Club probably had some kind of collegiate theme, right? Yeah, uh, what's his name? Harvard, uh, Chris. Chris, yeah, Chris Winsky. That was a good one, too. But nothing is as good as this. Yeah, no, this is. Well, because you got that drum solo to start. Get you all fucked up. Now, if they were smart, they would record that in a way where the drums go around the arena with the speakers. Well, nowadays they could do that. Yeah, now probably not. Should Braun Baker just use that when he comes with the main roster? Did you just call him Braun Baker? Yeah, well, that's his new gimmick. <laughs> his, his group's going to be the Baker's dozen. Maybe 13 of them. These 13 men! Let's look up half the Royal Rumble. <laughs> All right, so Scott Steiner. That's fantasy book, Braun Baker's 13. That'll <laughs> be the next one. <laughs> and we're going to crack a whole lot of eggs. <laughs> No, it'll be, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. <laughs> right, Dad? <laughs> like, uh, Rick Steiner's like the owner of the bakery, but he's like not hands-on. Right, right. Just, uh, just there sometimes. I made some money in the industry, so I wanted to set up my son. <laughs> Alex Jones, this is dead. <laughs> Braun Baker is part of the New World Order. <laughs> Infowars, not anymore, though. Oh. Sad day when they shut that down. Where are we mm. going to get our truth from? Our truth. <laughs> or your truth. Or our truth. I guess our truth. Our truth. Mm. So Scott Steiner. 1994. Nothing, nothing finer than Scott Steiner, 1994. Coming out number one. <laughs> he does. And I was, um, I was pretty pumped because I actually made this prediction. And I was there live at the show, as we all know. And my prediction was Scott Steiner at number one. And I was oh. rubbing it in everyone's face and no one gave a shit. See, that's that's very uh, magnanimous of you to do that. You know, when you're right, when you're right, people want you to really shove it down their throats. Yeah. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I just predicted this guy was going to be number one. At any point, did you take your dick out? Uh, 
I was 13 in a public place. Didn't feel feel right. Because that would have really hammered it home. Nowadays, absolutely. Good, good. As long as you've grown into that. Yeah. Were you one of the ones popping like crazy on his entrance then? Because that was a pretty nice pop for the guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was so pumped. And I love when he comes out. He looks like, number one, he already looks like a killer. I, It's like, I mm-hmm. would have imagined him as a killer then, but it's almost like, I don't know if this is how you feel about Scott Steiner. Because I was like, oh, when I was watching the time, Scott Steiner's like, oh, there's this young guy who's pretty jacked. Right. But then after watching him be big Papa Pump, you're like, holy shit, this guy's a fucking legitimate menace. And now you can't unsee that on his face. Right, you can just see the murder in his eyes. Yeah, and like he looks angry to be out there early. And in retrospect, I believe that he could have probably plowed through all 29 guys if he wanted to. Yeah, he gets saddled with his stupid brother, as we'll see in a minute, <laughs> and then that's it. Um, yeah, but if they're fighting for real, he's winning this, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. He he never looks happy ever, and that's why poor jobbers would just get destroyed by this guy because. <laughs> Hates his work. He's always looked mad. Uh, but no, he does look great here. And this is supposed to be like, you know, there were rumors at this time. And even, I mean, I don't know as a kid how I would know it. Maybe it was like a PWI thing, but, or maybe it was just like obvious. It just always felt like he was right. maybe going to be a guy that gets a singles push. And like just around this time seemed like it could be it. And I know there was discussion of it. Like, I think they, they were interested in doing it, but he didn't want to leave Rick behind. And then they had to deal with Japan. That would end up leaving, uh, and it ended with them leaving, like pretty much right after this. I think they're gone. Then they come back a little bit, but they're this is for all intents and purposes like the end of their run, um, outside of a couple lingering stuff. But you, you think that's a mistake on his part? <clears throat> um, I don't know. He ends up being pretty successful. Like, dude, what is he? What happens here if he turns? If he goes solo here? Is he just become Diesel? Maybe. And that's a much better, like, he really kind of, it's almost like, see, 94 always felt like the year where they're, like, angling, all right, we're Mm. going to the wrestlers, right? Right. And then Diesel gets hot, or they choose Diesel, or however you want to look at it, and then they say, fuck it, we're going to go back to, like, the big dude. Do you think he could have been, would you have him turn on Rick and go heel, or do you have him become, like, their super face? And Rick is like in his corner. I mean, he's such a natural heel. Mm. <laughs> like, like you know, he's an asshole, right? Like, but but they're down. not Jesus pushing a heel. No. So, so you're probably gonna have get behind to him. him. Right. Yeah, yeah. Say, they're gonna get behind him, and he's like super face. He's probably so like Diesel never turns, but that face side is is pretty packed right now, right? Because you got Brett, you got Taker. I guess Taker's going on hiatus. And Taker's. Yeah, and Taker's always different, right? Joel Taker's Luger. always like kind of off to the side in this era. Yeah, we got Luger too. Um, I mean, I guess he could, you know, help fill that gap while Taker's out for the summer. But look, I'd much rather have him have Luger actually sell out and right. have Luger fight Steiner at SummerSlam. Yeah, you could do something like that. I would guess he would tell you it turned out okay though, because I'm sure they made pretty good money in Japan. Oh yeah, and then he was, you know, I think they got paid by WCW. He's there from '96. It's like it's not like he doesn't make it way his way there until like '99 or something. No, no, no. But I just think it's interesting because, like, if they get all behind him, is '95 more of a success under him? Well, yeah. If you look at it from from their perspective, yes. I, I thought you meant from his. Like, was it a mistake for him not to to take that deal? 
Um, but maybe he ends up making way more money too in the long run. No, I, I don't think it was a mistake for him to take that deal. I, may, maybe not to go solo when he did. Like, who knows? Like, it's just, he's one of the, like a lot of times we talk about what ifs and I don't think we've ever talked about this one. Like right. if they just push him to the moon here, like he really fits this, like he is the high, he's, he's the in-between Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan. Right. Right. Yeah. I think you have to commit to saying though, like in this, what if you have to say they're going to go give him the Hogan Luger push or whatever. Like you right. can't just say, Oh, he's going to go solo and stick around. And then whatever happened, happened kind of thing. Like you need to say, Right. Yeah. Basically, he's going to become Diesel in 95. Like, like they're going to strap it up and they're going to build a promotion around him for at least a year and a half or so like, to make it. Because otherwise, I think there's maybe more value in keeping the Steiner brothers yeah. as, a, as a unit for them. Right. To be able to go to Japan as the Steiner brothers, et cetera, which is why I didn't know if like he doesn't turn heel and they just push him as a super baby face where Rick is like a solo act as well. But they're still partnered to me, that would make more sense, I think, in this time for him. That way, if they did want to end up going to Japan or doing stuff on the side, like the Steiner brother gimmick is still there for them. Because, yeah, I mean, he doesn't give up on that until 98. And even then, it's brief, right? Because they're back together as heels, like, within a year. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. 95 looks pretty good with Scott Steiner carrying that belt. Yeah, well, I mean, I did that article, you know, I'll share, I'll share it, like, every year uh, on PlaceMation.com. God, probably almost like eight or nine years ago now where I kind of fantasy booked the body slam challenge in 93. And so like oh, who him. could have been the other guy? And I, I came down to him. Honestly, it was, it was either him razor and crush. I thought were like the three best options. And I didn't think crush had like the, like he, he was the most believable and the pop was big in the moment, but I think long-term, I don't, I don't think he had it. You know um, I think razor could have been a sneaky, good one. You just don't yeah. think of him as like a big power guy to slam Yoko, but he obviously like embarks on a big face push anyway. But yeah. I think Scott Steiner could have been the answer because they hadn't really won the tag belt yet, but that doesn't matter. Have him slam Yoko and he's like a made guy. And then he like this unlikely challenger at SummerSlam, Scott Steiner versus Yokozuna 93, mm. you know, could have been but cool. then, but then do they pull the trigger? Right. Like, I mean, that that's the problem with doing it in 93 is that right. you have to pull the trigger on the guy. then. Well, maybe it's like a soft tease. Right. So maybe he slams Yoko and comes up just short at SummerSlam. But then they spend the next six months telling the story of like Rick helping him get his conf- like confidence up and starts. And then he almost like restarts sets. Right. Like starts kind of mowing through some guys again. And then after Mania, he's like back up and running. But the problem is Brett's year is 94. So even in 94, what are you doing with him? Well, is he taking a razor spot? No, I think you, I think you, you, I think the key, the key to all these mid nineties for me, and we've talked about this many times is always Luger. Right. You just, you put him, get Luger heel, get him with Luger. And that takes up his summer and then you can give him the diesel push in the fall. Yeah. But back to the 94 Royal Rumble, (laughs) um, right into trading blows with a mean Samu. And Samu's eaten clotheslines, and he crushes Samu with a Steiner line. And um, Vince calls it by saying, like, Jim Ross would yell, Steiner line, right? Vince goes, how about that? <laughs> how about it? Yeah, how about it? I did yeah. like DiBiase on commentary uh, talking about the trials and tribulations of entering first in a Royal Rumble. I thought that was yeah. a cool touch, given he'd been there. Um, really nice, like butterfly suplex by Scott looked great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then he hangs awesome. on to R- Rick shows up, you know, yeah, Rick Vince also no sells the suplex. Yes. Yeah. Well, he doesn't give a shit, yeah. uh, but it did look cool. 
wrestling, pal. No, and he's talking about The Undertaker instead, so. Which is also important. Uh, so that was a fun start with him and, and Samu. Uh, Rick comes out, and they spend 90 seconds just destroying Samu, as you would hope. Like, so it's much. Just, so much so that Vince is like, maybe they don't want to get him out. Just <laughs> enjoy beating him up, yeah. um, which was awesome. They just that was a lot of fun. They eventually tangle him in the ropes, and almost like off camera, you barely see it. Scott shoves him to the floor and knocks him out. Where yeah. they do the classic kind of Semu Hangman spot. Oh, I love that spot. It's yes. it's nice and gingerly. Yes, yes. And then they throw him hard to the floor as the camera's panning over to Quang coming out, and this is like where things go we'll talk about rick soon but things go south for him here and this guy gets sucked into this nonsense where rick goes right at quang like an idiot and quang spews the mist in his face yeah and completely derails his night which we'll talk about this is Uh, really good booking for quang yeah i mean this is well he hadn't been around too long like i think he had just debuted right around here or this might even be his debut maybe Um, because there's no way he survives this in a normal setting right no, no, yeah. smart. It was a way to make him believable as a as a heel threat for sure. I'm trying to see when he showed up as Quang. Uh, yeah, January 10th, 94. So, okay, so he's really new. Yeah, yeah, he's only like a weekend at this point, two weeks in. So he, um, so he spews that Scott like it, it kind of costs him because he keeps checking on Rick. As yeah, and every time, patterns, yeah, and Quang. And every time he back. checks on him, Quang attacks him from behind. Yeah, it's like it just keeps screwing up his whole flow. Um, he just come back with a nice belly-to-belly throw that looked really cool. And then, uh, you know, Scott deals with Quang. Owen Hart comes in, so they're doubling up on him. Whenever he gets Quang alone, he just beats the shit out of him. Yeah. But then, like you said, like Quang keeps sneaking up when he checks on Rick. Uh, he almost eliminates Owen with a deadlift, which would look really cool. He just, like, fucking clean lifts him off the mat and hoists him to the ropes. Yeah. And then just kind of works around until Diesel shows up and throws him out. Well, Bart Gunn comes in and at one point saves him from Quang and Owen, like Quang and Owen actually have him out. Do right. you think Bart Gunn did this because he was like not wanting another backstage beating? Uh, it's possible. Or he just got confused and thought he was supposed to help the other face. <laughs> I, like I find that like once Owen and Quang get in there, uh, the energy kind of leaves Scott Steiner a little bit. Yeah. It was the Rick thing that like threw him all off. Yeah. But having to constantly check on him, like it, it just destroyed the flow. As good of a spot as that was, it really like ruins what could have been a fun run. So I almost wish, and I knew they had to get to Owen and Diesel right after, but I kind of wish yeah. Quang just came in later and they did this again, or just have Quang do it with someone else and have someone else come in here. But I could have used like another three or four minutes of the Steiners just beat the shit out of the guys yeah. as a team. I think that would have been cool. Well, I also think too the problem is is that like no one is believable taking them on. Well, that's right. Just feed yeah. a bunch of bums or whatever. You got Virgil in there, and like I, I know they wanted to do that with Diesel, right? So you can't really. Right. So it was just like bad timing that they had to do the Diesel push. So you're not going to do the Steiners and Diesel like doing the same thing, you know? So let me ask something: Is this the worst part of this Rumble? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's even that bad. No, I don't think it's that bad, but I think it's the worst part of the Rumble. And it's interesting because I think Scott, maybe aside from Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, Scott is probably the best worker in the Rumble. Right. 
Yeah. Maybe he just didn't grasp how to do the match. Maybe it was the storyline overwhelming him with Rick. Like, he's fucking blind. He's just blind. There's right. nothing you can do now. Just let it go. There's nothing, nothing's going to happen here. It's over. If anything, they should have Scott just dump him as a mercy kill. Just get him out of there. <laughs> All right, Rick, I'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, I mean, I, th- I thought this was fine. I liked how he opened up his offense and mixed it up with the first two. I thought he did as well as someone could have done, given the spotlight and kind of extended time. He was willing to be aggressive and varied. And he kind of fluttered at the end, like you said. Uh, once we get to the standard rumble, but for that singles match was, was fun. Yeah. Um, last nine minutes throws out one guy. Um, I'm at a one for presentation. Uh, I gave it two. Like I thought they made him look strong when he came out. He was, they talked him up. He was, you know, number one and really beat the shit out of guys. Like I thought he was presented, looked like a beast. Mm. Uh, I'm at a one for work rate also. Uh, I went with it too, because like I said, I really liked the early stuff with the butterfly suplex, the clothesline, shoving Samu out. Like I thought he did what I always want people to do. And that is like mix it up when they have a chance to mix it up and not just do standard rumble shit. Bump him up to a two also. Uh, I won't bump up my one for effectiveness though, because I don't think he really achieves that much. And I just wanted way more from him. Yeah. I gave him a one as well. He does get the elimination of Samu, which was good. Um, but beyond that, yeah, just not a ton going on. All right. That gives him a score of nine. Mm. Um, not, not horrible. Is he better than Dino Bravo 1988? I'm going to say yes, because it's Dino Bravo. In Brunzel 1988. Probably so. It's more memorable. Barbarian 1992. I feel like Barbarian gets the rub because of Bobby's commentary. But he doesn't do too much. Right. What about Janetti in this Royal Rumble? Janetti's mm, uh, got the Sean fight, which is fun. Yeah, maybe Janetti. I think Janetti's better. I don't know. Who's after Janetti? Jim Knight. Well, I'm going up, right? right? Jim Neidhart is above him from 1990. Mm, I don't know anything. Above him at nine, the top nine is Davy Boy Smith, 1996. I think Bulldog stays at the top. Yeah, I'm putting him ahead of Neidhart. Okay, that's fine. Like, I, I cannot, like, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't even really remember like, no. yeah. what that is. So, and I'll always kind of remember this Scott Steiner run for yeah. whatever reason. Like, maybe it's just because I love, I love, I, I love the Steiners. And I, man, I, it's like, I just got to get more into WCW. And I'll, mm. So that lands Steiner 1994 as the 139th <laughs> best Rumble appearance of all time. Okay. And for everyone, for context so far, that's 139 out of 260. Jesus Christ. What are we doing? Wasting our lives. Uh, my family's upstairs, like, spending time together. <laughs> um, now, his next appearance is 2004. Were, did you remember he was still with the company in 2004? No. Um, yeah, I think it's forgotten. Because I remember, like, I feel like the last time we really remember him is Survivor Series. He had turned heel and ends up hooking up with Tess after their feud and making Stacy their slave. And then Bischoff kind of used them. And they finally kind of had it right almost toward the end. But I think his body was starting to break down a bit. And then, uh, yeah, I think he's just hanging on. This might actually be it for him. I, I don't know if he does anything else. I think this might be his final appearance. Uh, I will confirm that. But I, I can't remember anything past No Way Out 2003. 
Oh, yeah, no, he's around that whole thing. The whole summer's a stupid shit with Test and Stacey. You don't remember all that? The testicles. I mean, I do when I think about it, but, like, it's not like it pops. You know what I mean? It doesn't right. pop into your mind right away. You don't remember him falling off the apron trying to dive at Test? <laughs> no. When was the debate? Was that yeah, that's, a, that's in the summer, too, with Nowinski and La Resistance and all that shit. Oh, right, because the war started and he was yeah. angry about that. Yep. Just oh, yeah, one more thing for him to be angry about. And then he, no, he's not bad as a heel toward the end of the year. It's like. You know, Bischoff kind of uses him a henchman and stuff, and he does okay. So this is his last match. Um, he ends up getting hurt, and then he's actually around till August on the payroll. Whoa. He had a foot surgery in July. He got hurt, was on the sidelines. Then he got hurt, had surgery again on his foot. Mm. Rehabbed and showed up in the Indies, started wrestling again a bit in August of 05. And then he's actually in TNA for four years. That's insane. Actually, and then he has another two years. He leaves for a little bit and comes back. Isn't he still in TNA now? <laughs> he has various returns, it says, in and yeah. out. So it's kind of nuts to think, like, and it feels like he's done in 04, but then it goes on to have, like, eight years more, <laughs> like, TNA. Um, you know, or six years more in TNA, which is That's nuts. right, because like, you get you get the Steiner math in there. Yeah, you get all that yeah. shit. Yeah. Does, you don't think of that much more. And he's got that dumbass tattoo on his chest now. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that to him. No, not to his face. <laughs> way too scared. Uh, people still pop for him in 2004. They're a little bit happy. And I feel like his physique is a little bit toned down, too. Yeah, I, I think he was just really banged up. So I'm guessing he wasn't as... Yeah, I think he's probably rehabbing more than in the gym or just trying to crut through shit. He's also on the road, I'm sure, it was more than what he was in WCW, too. You know what I mean? So, like, probably less time to, to keep it up. Right. Um, he murders everyone when he comes in, though, and levels Orton with a T-bone suplex. Yeah, he's just, yeah, clothesline suplexes everywhere. Like, no matter what the setting is, I love how he just does his offense, which yeah. I like in both these rumbles. It's like, no matter what the type of match is supposed to be, he's going to do his thing. Yeah. Yeah, and his stuff, even his, like... Man, that Triple H match, like, I mean, not to get off track here, but, like, it just didn't play to his strengths at all. And, like, if they could have maybe played to his strengths a little earlier in this run, I think we're probably talking about a much different run. And, like, I'm not even saying, like, he's got to win the title or anything. Like, I just just put him in situations where he can right. be his best self, you know? I think the problem is it's kind of like Vader and a little bit like the, the Yankees or Randy Johnson. I think with this, that it's getting here too late. Right. So I think he's just too broken down. Like, I don't I just don't think he had it anymore to do what they needed him to do, which is sad because, <clears throat> I mean, I guess they end up doing this because they get Goldberg. But he could have just been there Goldberg for a bit if he just wrestled like quick five minute squashers and destroyed guys. But for whatever reason, they just didn't want to do it. And then they end up getting Goldberg. It's going to be an interesting time, actually. Um Jake Williams, Ruthless Aggressive Podcast, are into 03. They're at the Rumble where Jake left off. He's on paternity leave from North South. So the show's on very temporary hiatus. It'll be back in the summer. And um, this is the period they're getting into. So I'm curious to, like, see the presentation on TV and hear some of the observer notes that Jake goes into. Like, when did Mm. they know Goldberg was coming? Because did they put the pin in Steiner because they knew they had him and they wanted him to be the guy? To take the belt off Triple H because they, they clearly didn't give a shit about Booker, right? So, oh no, no, not at all. Or, or if he's really, it's almost. Do you think maybe they should have swapped them? Like Who? give 
give Booker the the run, like the Royal Rumble No Way Out run, and save Steiner for Mania. No, like because, let him I don't get think it. Steiner was ever going to be hotter than when he debuted. Once he got that pop, and they did the stuff with him, like Jake talked about it. Like they basically teased that, like Stephanie banged him to try and get him to go to SmackDown. Like I think right. he was actually pretty hot, and they they built that match for the Rumble well. Like. <laughs> it's remembered as kind of goofy, but it was different. Like the crowd was into it and stuff like all the bodybuilding shit. Like it, it felt like a big deal. I think, and I know this, I feel like this is how we fantasy book every triple H title match. ever. <laughs> he just needed to destroy him and win the belt. Yeah. 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 It's every, it's every match. It really is. That's like, how he needs it because he does every match. The opposite. He goes 20 minutes and it plods along. But if he yeah. just did that and then, and no way out, like that's when around evolution starts anyway, before they all get hurt and then reset in the fall. But like have evolution help him win it back. So even if Steiner only has it for a month, who cares? At least he cashed in, got or, the bell, got the run. And you yeah. have, you have evolution do the horseman. Right. And just like swarm the shit out of him, And he, and then like triple H beats him, and then find something else to do. He's not even at, he's not even at mania. Even if he doesn't win the belt, like even, like even if he, he destroys triple H for seven minutes and then right. triple H gets DQ'd, and then the next month, similar, but evolution, like, screws him over. At the very least, you still have a hot character. Right. That, like, that like is kind of, like, on a main event level, that is, like, oh, owed something. So, you know, why not do that? I think he should just won. They were already I hot agree. potato and get. And I know the bullshit thing is, like, well, they wanted to rebuild Triple H with the rain to get to Goldberg and let Goldberg end it. But I don't know. You had just hot potatoed it anyway. Like, did it really matter at this point? You've gone back and forth a few times with Sean. Like, why not have Steiner just kill Triple H? Or, I mean, you could have had Sean not lose it back at Armageddon and just have Steiner freaking come in as a heel. Get that big pop, a quickly turn, and then just wreck Sean. How much better is his run if he has a match against Sean instead of Triple H? Yeah, what if he just, like, destroys Sean and wins the title? Yeah. And then... I don't I don't know what else you do though. Like does Triple H turn face? I mean, I'm not sure. Or just fuck him and Goldberg comes in and murders Steiner for the title. Sure. Or or I mean, there's lots of ideas, obviously. Or you don't technically need Brock to win the Rumble that right. year. Like you could like you could have Brock like it, it's a personal feud with Angle because of the mm-hmm. Heyman stuff and whatever. And you could have Steiner win the Rumble. Like right. he'd get he'd get a huge pop for winning the rumble, and again, it probably plays to his strengths, right? Like, right. just come in and destroy guys. Yeah, and then over the next couple months, let him get his legs under him. Mm-hmm. And then oh, fight. Yeah. Does he beat Triple H at Mania or lose? Uh, I I mean, I'm always of the mind to beat Triple H. <laughs> yes, but. But I mean, look, like you beat Triple H and then like hopefully the match is a bit better. Like mm. it's like this that was like his first big match, right? Did he even have a match before that that wasn't like a, a two-second squash? No, I don't think so. I think the problem is, do you um, – I think by that point, they knew Goldberg was coming in. So I get why they didn't want it to hold the line, thinking at SummerSlam, Goldberg would kill Triple H, right? I mean, that was kind of the working plan, I think. But, but they, they didn't do that anyway. Well, they do it at Unforgiven, same idea. So I, I yeah, think but... by, by Mania, I don't think you're swapping the belt. I think that's – you want it on Triple H by Mania if, if you're marching orders at Goldberg. So I think if you're going to do the Steiner win, it's at the Rumble, and then Triple H just beats him the next month at Evolution or whatever. 
Or or you could or you could have Steiner win at Mania and have Triple H win it like a month or two later. Yeah, I just don't think you get the same effect of. I think you always do because it's Triple H and like he's always on top at that point. Yeah, I guess. It is. I think like they were he, just aiming for like. The problem is the Sean thing fucked it up. I and not fucked it up. It's a great moment, but if you were to like look back and say how could they have done the same story a little bit better, like you could have also just had him never lose. Like right. So if he has it from when Bischoff gives it to him in in September until Goldberg destroys him, like that that feels way more earned. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Because everyone really would have been sick of him, even more so. Yeah, he was just a weird Steiner was a weird sacrifice. Yeah. Like for 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 this run. Like, I mean, ideally, you just don't put him in that position at all. Right. I mean, there's a world where he just like goes to SmackDown and he's not just Triple H's t- part time partner, you know? Yeah. And you let it simmer and you see what happens. Yeah. He goes to SmackDown to something else. Yeah. Well, he's killing everybody in this one at the start in 2004. Some sweet bellies to belly on Benoit. Um, his kicks, though, are still awful. He he just can't get kicks down, <laughs> I don't think. Doesn't do enough leg day. Leg day. Yeah, right. There's too there's too much mass on the top for him to lift his legs. Um, Benoit starts germaning, suplexing him, um, and then he starts selling here. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the rumble, I'm like, oh, that's what he's gonna be doing for the rest of this rumble run. Right. Did you have that thought also? Well, for sure. Because but even when he's in the corner with Rhino, like look pretty good, like clawing at each other. But you could tell he's like super gassed and banged up. Like he's. You could tell he's, he just looked like he was in pain. So, and it's not a surprise he's out right after this with injuries. <clears throat> so he probably got to do this match with something going on. Uh, he survives a Matt Hardy attack, a Matt Morgan attack. Which you think you know, Matt Hardy was trying to get? I think Matt Hardy was trying to get revenge for that night on M- at MSG. I think so. It must Although been, right? he deserved that beating for the stupid losers thing, whatever the fuck he was doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Matt Morgan saves him and JR and Taz called call it out as a big mistake to, to save a guy like Steiner. Yeah, they're all over it. They're like, what's wrong with him and whatnot. Um, there's also like there's also this moment where like he's just lying on Orton. Like he's really just lying on him. Like what what is he doing just lying on him? Right. Um, and then Orton kind of slips him over and then punches the shit out of him. But then again, Steiner gets on top and just lies on him again. It's, he just keeps a, smothering him. It's like Orton keeps trying to escape and he's just trying to keep him pinned to the mat and like wearing him out, I guess. I guess. It's like amateur wrestling in the middle of all this chaos, but with zero energy. Right, right. Oh, I think Steiner just didn't have it. No. <laughs> didn't have it in him. And uh, then he, book, gets, yeah. he gets stuck in the corner with Booker, like, and he's in the right-hand corner for what feels like six minutes. Just kind of standing there. I did there. feel like it was cool when Booker came in and JR talks about their history. Yes. In WCW. So it, it did kind of feel like a cool moment right before Steiner's about to leave that they did get to kind of rekindle that little feud there. And uh, yeah, then they they pretty much moved to the quarter quickly, like you said. Yeah. And then Kane comes in and Steiner gets eliminated off screen and by Booker. And I don't even know if they mention it. They certainly don't show a replay. They do. You know, they do show the replay. Oh, they do? Yeah, yeah they do. Like a, a couple seconds later, they show it. I must have shut it off before. Yeah. No, they, no, they showed it. Uh, but it is like, yeah, it's not called out as it's happening, which felt kind of sad. Um, but again, you know, he kept the varied rumble offense, mixed in the big throws, some suplexes, the mat stuff. It stood out. One problem is he just runs out of wind. Like he spends all the time on the ropes after that. Yeah. Uh, but I thought while it lasted, 
it was pretty good. And like Steiner, Steiner 04, like, yeah, all right, not too bad. You think you would expect a lot worse. I just think he's treated as such an afterthought in this match. Yeah. Like, and it's, it, it, it made me sad watching it. Like, I was like, oh, like, he's treated as more of an afterthought in this match than in 1994, <laughs> where he's just another member of a tag team. Yeah. All right. I downgraded him to a one for presentation based on your stirring uh, comments there. <laughs> uh, I'm at a zero for presentation, so you're still ahead of me. Yeah. And I gave it to creativity. I still like all the bomb stuff he threw in early. I feel like he was trying with the mat work. He's, his body just wasn't giving it to him. But I, I at least like that he always was committed to getting his shit in no matter what the setting is. Yeah, I gave him a one for that because I like that initial flurry. But then, yeah, the lying around was just strange. Uh, and I'm at a zero for effectiveness because you could have taken him out of this match and it wouldn't have changed a damn thing. No, same. Yeah. That gives him a score of four. Mm. Is he better than the Godfather 2002? Um, Probably not. Godfather at least had the fun entrance. Yeah. What about Godfather 99? Same. Godfather at least had the fun entrance. Yeah. <laughs> What about the fun entrance of Boris Zukov in 1988? Who's after Boris? We're going down now. Warlord 1990. Mm, Who's next? Uh, Rikishi 2004. Put him above there. That feels similar though, right? Yeah. Two guys on their last legs. Yeah. All right. So uh, sneaking in at number 200. Hmm is Scott Steiner from 2004. Okay. Well, we'll and see that, if that ends his, Let's see if Rick uh, bests him. But that ends his Rumble career. He doesn't qualify for our overall list because he doesn't have at least three Rumbles. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, look, not like two Rumbles, total 15 minutes and 49 seconds, one elimination in all of that, which I thought was a bit surprising. Yeah. He was just never in one, like, in his peak. Because he was in WCW in his peak. Even if 93, if instead of destroying the poor Beverly Brothers, if they're in that match, <laughs> like, you may get more stuff, right? Because they're on the come up. You may get them. And, and that Rumble could have used them, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, so you might get him chucking bodies in 93 versus 94, where, like, they're kind of passe. They lost the belts to the Quebecers and kind of get overlooked. Like, you could kind of feel the writing was on the wall already by the 94 Rumble for them. And then here, it's the same thing. If he had gone in 03, it's a different setting, right, versus now. So he was just like a year too late, and then the rest of the time he was in WCW. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but always a welcome addition to any ring that I look in, because I love me some Scott Steiner. Well, if only there was another Steiner to deal with. Now entering the Royal Rumble. one of the best collegiate uh, battle songs of all time. It's up there with JR's, the Chris Nowinski's. Yeah. But is it actually Michigan? <laughs> uh, I loved hearing it again. <laughs> um, comes in, and we don't, it's sad, we don't hear it for Rick Steiner in 1994 because they're not doing that shit yet. Mm, it's true. A couple years too early. That was, a, that was a stroke of genius, right? 
Oh, yeah. It's crazy it took as long as it did, like 96. You'd think they would have done it when they had Hogan. Yeah, right? Like, I guess at that point, too, a couple guys didn't have music, but... Right. But who knows? Um, he's number three in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like he's coming out already adjusting the headgear. I, I don't know. Wh- why didn't he put that on backstage? Well, maybe like he had to fix it. Uh, and it was like, you're going to go. Like Vince gave him like a tap on the head, which <laughs> like got him. Get out there, pal. Put a little off kilter. Um, and DiBiase is like, whoa, like he knows what's about to happen. Right, right. Well, he's experienced it less than six months earlier. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, poor Ted got the shit kicked out of him on many a night, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like, again, like we mentioned with Scott, like, you know, when he comes out, these guys should be running the field. Yeah, and, and he does. Like, they get the double, double teams in assembly, like we talked about. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, Scott, like I said, Scott knocks him out during the entrance of Quang. Rick goes to attack Quang as he comes in. Quang spews the mist in his face, and he just crumples to the mat. And then that's kind of it. And DiBiase basically says it. He's like, well, he's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's true. Like, he never, never recovers from it at all. Scott keeps checking on him. Uh, there's nothing happening. He quickly gets dumped as Owen Hart comes in. So, although this started well, you know, him and Scott working together, it seemed like they could make that run. But the mist has completely destroyed his night. So, when we get to Quang, <laughs> we should give a lot of credit for at least destroying the, the the Royal Rumble career of Rick Steiner. Uh, <laughs> this is his only match ever. His only chance ever. He's in yeah. there with his brother. And they then, should win. They should win the event. Right. And then you get this one freaking uh, spew of mist, and that's it. Fucking Puerto Rican Japanese guy. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Oh, um, I do like, I love that DiBiase's like, they should fight together rather like, than work together. I don't right, know if that's right. his residual hatred from them. <laughs> and I love that like, he bellies to belly Samu as Scott watches. Mm-hmm. And then he just stands and watches as Scott like bullies the Samoan. Like he watched that a lot backstage, right? Oh yeah. Everywhere. Across his whole life. Like for sure of the two of them, Scott's the bully, right? Right. Like he's got the chip on his shoulder. <laughs> um, I would also like to call attention to how green Rick Steiner's face is. Like, yeah. Well, maybe, it makes you wonder if he like really got misted. Like, like really got missed it. Like, he couldn't see at all. <laughs> yeah, because it's his his entire face is green. I, I've never seen it that good. Yeah, it's definitely the most successful thing Quang's ever done in his career. Do you think Rick Steiner is upset that he didn't get to watch his brother beat up the Puerto Rican? Uh, I'm sure he's seen it later. And yeah, he saw it backstage. What did you do to my brother? Um, brother. Yeah, brother. Uh. Owen Hart eliminating him, too, is a nice touch, I find. Yeah, well, he had to get a couple of bodies in, right, Owen? So he gets this one and that's it. But yeah. Well, and it's like good, like sneaky heel stuff. That's it. And and Vince is upset. He's like, oh, Owen is uh, attacking the visually impaired. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, yeah, I, I actually really like the story of this match that he just gets missed it and he's done. Like. For him. Uh, but that being said, I don't think they presented him particularly well. So I have a one for presentation. Uh, I gave him a two. Like, I just I thought him and Scott were presented pretty much the same. Like, as they came out, he was beating the shit out of the guys. It just, it, it, it's not like someone just beat him up and threw him out, right? I mean, he, like, it took a debilitating attack to, to even put a dent in him. So, Right. What did I, did I, I know we talked about it one minute ago, but, yeah, I gave Scott a one, too. So I guess I had to know. 
be cool as well. Um, I'm at a one for work. He crawled around a lot. He he sold being blind well. I guess Jake kind of talked to him backstage. <laughs> gave him some tips. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gave him the same same one and then nothing for effectiveness. He didn't do anything. Uh, although he made Quang. Quang was made on this night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gives him a score of five. Okay, there's not that many fives. So is he better than Ric Flair in 2006? Probably not. Okay, Virgil, 1992. Probably not. Brian Blair, 1988. Sure. All right, that's fine. That's five minutes, so he's a shorter one. All right, so that lands Rick Steiner in his only appearance, little under four minutes as the 189th best Rumble appearance of all time. All right. Now, before we get to our last guy, you want to tell us what's going on in the North South Connection podcast network? Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on literally every day with Cronosa Daily kicking off your mornings at 8 a.m. Different voice every weekday, I should say, going through the history of pay-per-view and seismic event match by match, one at a time. Uh, they're all usually under 15 minutes or so. And it's a cool way to start your day and kind of go chronologically through the history of the biggest matches in company history. We also have other great content. A lot of it's evergreen, uh, some current, you know, pretty much almost all wrestling. But there's some pop culture stuff in there. Of course, we now the uh, exclusive home of the Jenny position on Wednesdays. Jennifer Smith's bank of shows coming at you every Wednesday morning, rotating through her catalog. And then uh, we also have some other cool, you know, a couple sports things as well. So just there's something for everyone. It's a constant flow of content. We put out at least, you know, two things per day, pretty much, sometimes even three, depending on the week. We have previews of every major dirty pay-per-view event. We have instant reaction to every major dirty in AEW and NXT event, as well with viewers' choice. We have a lot of GWWE content going on right now that is for the PTBN annual stretch project, determining the greatest WWE wrestler ever. We did this five years ago. We're revisiting it now. Uh, Aaron, you and I do that once a month on no, our other show, No Holds Barred. Right. But we also have some other shows that are popping up too here and there, ad hoc content going through that that stuff as well. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. Our contributors are all incredible. So give mm-hmm. them a listen. They're all worth your time. And um, thanks again for all the continued support. Now entering the Royal Rumble. Came out to Carlos Colon's music. (laughs) When I was listening to it the other day, there's way more drums in it than I remember. There's like 30 guys on like those fucking uh, uh, Tam Tam drums. (laughs) Like going crazy. And you know they're all smiling and having the time of their life recording it. No one was ever happier than Vince McMahon opening a show and hearing Savio Vega's music. Uh, he loved that man. He loved that man more than Razor Ramon loved him. If you don't like that horn, I know Chad hates it, but the horn at the beginning with Vince yelling is the highlight. That little thing right there. All you- right! <laughs> Savio Vega! 
it's, it's, there's always like um, it's not just Savio because he does say Savio, but it's always like an all right, like he's just super. There's always an adjective that goes before it. <laughs> it's funny because WCW around this time would start to really, you know, use the cruiserweights and stuff to open shows. It's like Vince's idea of excitement with Savio Vega, even though it's the most boring match in Snow to Man. <laughs> when he came out, he was like, "All right, now we're fucking going." This is ra- this is wrestling. Like if Real you gotta say Puerto like, wrestling. <laughs> what is the sound of WWE in 1995? It's that Salvio Vega horn. Like if I could pick any one sound <laughs> to tell you what 1995 WWF was like, it's that horn. <laughs> and when you heard it, I like look. I looking back, it's great. Whenever I heard it, did it make you disappointed? It's like yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> it was like IRS coming out. It was like yeah. Like I think I mean, he's I all think, right. I think when I watched, so when I got back into wrestling in 96, I watched, I, I bought SummerSlam 96. I remember that very specifically. And I think, I didn't think I knew who all the matches were. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's either him or Owen that comes out first right. for the, and I remember being upset, thinking like, we're not past this. <laughs> He's not gone. Like he wasn't in the PWI rankings that I just read. Still there. Yeah. Um, but look, in 1994, we're not hearing that music. No, we're hearing uh, nothing. Probably the Orient Express music. The sound of silence. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Quangus here um, to spew at you again. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> Is Harvey Whippleman completely miscast as his manager? It's so ridiculous. You could tell they were just like, all right, well, this guy's not going to be able to talk, so we need a manager, and we don't have any managers left. So, hey, Harvey. <laughs> like, it was only him and Johnny Polo. I think we're the only managers even left at what, this point. Fuji couldn't have this guy? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about Fuji. Yeah, I mean, just make him one of Yoko's, like, mercenary. Instead, He already of- got crushed, so Yoko, your Fuji stable's expanded already a little bit. So How about this? He's a mercenary. You leave Tenru at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, he does make the quick impact. I don't think we need to talk about it for a third time tonight. What, but he, what does he do? What does he do? He spews the mist at Rick, goes at it with Scott. Uh, he's trying some of the martial arts stuff, but Scott's really beating the shit out of him. He's doing Rick, a lot of karate dancing, though. A lot of <laughs> a lot of the arms in the air, spinning around. Yeah. It's very performative. Um, he attacks every time Scott checks on Rick, like we've talked about. But his offense is very soft, so it doesn't do much. Him and Owen work together. Uh that partnership dissolves quickly. They fight. Would you that say he stop. looks and acts like a martial arts expert? He looks and acts like someone at like a kid's party pretending to be a famous character. A ninja. <laughs> right. Like, oh, Mickey Mouse is here. But it's like clearly just a dude in like old suit. Mickey Mouse head you could find ever. The action is so intense when he's in here that Vince is like, we got to know what's going on in the back. <laughs> yes. Is this where TNA got their like modus operandi from? Could be. Something's going on back there. I mean, he does nothing with Scott. He's just trying to push him against the ropes. Yeah. He's fighting Bart. Diesel comes in and just wrecks him with a punch. Um, Quang is the last man standing, though, during Diesel's initial flurry. Yeah. And he goes right at him, but he misses a spin kick and Diesel throws him out. So I thought he actually got some shine. Uh, and if nothing else, like, like we've said, he destroyed Rick Snyder's night. Uh, the problem is most of his offense was cheap and soft. So like, even when he was getting these shots in on whoever, like it never felt like they were actually doing anything. 
Um, the kick on Bart was pretty good, and the last two bumps with Diesel were fine. Given his stature and slot as like just a very low end dude, like this was fine. Like it's like you said earlier, it was very likely way more than you would ever expect him to have had at the, you know in this match. Yeah, completely, completely serviceable. Yeah. Like, he did what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I know he has zero eliminations, but we should probably, he should Count, probably get yeah, Rick, yeah, he should get the credit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he eliminated him from the promotion, basically, right. with that. <laughs> um, yeah, Diesel kind of stiffs the shit out of him, too, with some elbows to the head. Um, I actually kind of like the spin kick miss, because he misses by so much that you see, like, because Diesel just mm. holds onto the ropes, and he's, it's, his form is pretty good, and he's in the air for a long time, so it makes it look worse. Yeah, he just like um, flies there. But I didn't mind this at all. Like nothing earth shattering, but nothing annoying. So like, you know, he worked while he was in there. The mist is memorable. I'm at a one for presentation for Quang. Yeah, me too. But I'm at two for work. Me too. Yeah, I mean the spew alone is worth one. And then he was wasn't bad. Like he kept bringing the fight and he was moving around and no, he did okay in here. Worked hard. He worked hard and he wasn't annoying. That's the big mm-hmm. thing. Um, a one for effectiveness. And I, I think it's all just for taking Rick Steiner out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That gives him an eight. Okay. Not bad. Not bad at all. Better than the Steiner brothers. Uh, certainly better than Rick. Um, is he better than, okay. He's not going to be better than them. Let's start in the middle. Is he better than Hercules from 1989? No. Even though Hercules is very disappointing. Texas tornado, 1991. No, I like tornado on that one. Like that 24 minute run. Hmm. Uh, He's okay tonight. Yeah, he moves around yeah. a lot. Owen Hart, 1998. No, because Owen at least has the stuff with Triple H and all that. Owen, 93. No, the elimination of Owen's better. The hip toss? Mm-hmm. Is the hip toss elimination better than the mist? I think so. Okay. Uh, if I had to watch it... one thing over again, it's that hip toss. Right. Uh, we're putting ahead of Tatanka 2006, though. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay. So that's Quang 1994 landing at the 158th best Royal Rumble appearance of all time. These numbers are so absurd. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it, it's a testament to how much this of our lives. absurd. Yeah, I know. We've really wasted our lives. Like, I, you know, do you, do you ever watch Royal Rumbles for fun anymore? No, they're not fun to me. I <laughs> mean, when I have to watch one for another show, like War or PTB or war zone (laughs) god i'm back to the rumble again well i guess you can just focus on the other matches for those Mm, yeah yeah like a rumble used to be a go-to like ah throw it on and we'll see but like i feel like uncomfortable not taking notes on it yeah well especially some of the ones we just watched a ton of like 93 like i don't like i gotta sit here and watch 93 again right now yeah it is nice to be finished with 93 right one I am not looking forward to being involved in is 95, and that's Quang's next appearance. It is, but 95 at least moves quickly. Uh, so he's in at nine. He's very much on the back end of the Quang gimmick here. I think, again, this might be nearing the very end for him because he's in his Savio in May. Right. Um, trying to see if he... Uh, I don't know. He's not, actually, his last match... Uh, is against Hakushi on the April 29th Superstars. So it's really, it's like two weeks between when he's Quang and shows up at Savio. <clears throat> so pretty quick. That's a big turnaround. I, I can't believe the Quang character. I don't remember it lasting this long. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do anything. Like the, the most he does in 94, he has a little mini 
angle with Adam Bomb when they're teaming, and he spews the mist at Adam Bomb's face by accident, cost him the match. Guy with the and mist. then they fight, and Adam Bomb beats the shell. That's like Adam Bomb's face turn. But other than that, he's really just like a job of the stars for a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, he runs to the ring, and Vince at this point declares him the martial arts expert. Yeah, the one and only. I was he still got Harvey, by the way. He still got Harvey. Yeah, who's running behind him but can't keep up. <laughs> yes. His legs are just not long enough. He's got no muscle on him. Um, he comes in, and he's chopping Davey and one of the blues. And then Duke the Dumpster starts, like, kicking the shit out of him. And I guess a garbage man can take out the martial arts expert. Well, I mean, he's working with trash all day. He's strong. True. But, like, 20 seconds into this run, <laughs> and Quang is already, like, in peril. He's not a very good artist. No. He ends up with Sean, though, and he actually gets him on the top rope, but Sean just punches him. And then we don't see much from there because we get the hearts fighting on the floor. We come back, you see Sean dragging him around the ring. <laughs> and then he actually eliminates Doink with a nice kick. But then I off love, camera, Sione eliminates him. I love that kick to Sean, to, to Doink. Like, yeah, it, it, it looks like it hurts, and I yeah. hate Doink. So, like, I, 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 it's right in the face. It's a beautiful kick. Great yeah. elimination. Um, yeah, when he had Sean up, right, in the corner, how much trouble would he have been in if he pushed him out by accident? Uh, yeah. I'm Fire. always like, that would be a fun exercise to go through every rumble. And, <laughs> go through every rumble um, and identify, like, would who, who would have been the emergency winner. Right. So if Sean gets tossed here, I'm assuming Bulldog just wins, right? I guess. I guess. And then do you, do you finesse it so that it's Bulldog yeah. Diesel? No, no. You just have Sean challenge him and Bulldog puts the title shot up or something stupid. But You could have also done Luger, I guess. Right. I'm just curious. Like, it would be kind of cool to try and figure out who is the who's the backup in case of the break glass, you know. I mean, they could always fake it, too, if Sean falls out and have the ref not have seen him or something. But Right, like they do in 97. Yeah. Um, yeah. 92, it's Sid, right? Yeah, definitely. All right, we're not getting into that right now. We're busy. Hold on, so, we got a point more to do. <laughs> Sione throws him out off camera. Uh, again, what you would expect from Quang in the 95 Rumble. Uh, maybe he could have stood out, but it just he was just too far gone. Uh, the doink elimination was cool, though. So Yeah, I think that's the best elimination in the match. Yeah. Like, I remember a few years ago when I ranked all the Royal Rumbles, one of the categories in the written report was report. The written review was um, mm -hmm. best elimination, and I'm pretty sure that was my winner. Uh, that being said, I'm at a zero for uh, presentation. Yeah, no, he's just a scrub. I'm giving him a one, though, for that elimination because I like it that much. Yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, it was just a standard offense. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's kicking the clown in the face is good mm -hmm. for me. Uh, I'm at a one for effectiveness. Four minutes, one elimination. Yeah, I gave him the one there as well he, for the Doink elimination. Like, he's way better as Quang, right, than Savio Vega? Um, no. Really? I I hate Savio Vega. I know, but his martial arts stuff is so shit-looking that I just think, yeah, it just looked like trash. So I don't, oh. like, he never looked believable in that gimmick. I'll take it over the dancing any day. Any day. Yeah, uh, but 95 Quang gets a score of three. Is he better than Samu from 1993? No, Samu um, takes the choke slam over the top. That's right. Shawn Michaels 1990. Yeah, Shawn Michaels gets thrown over a man. Uh, like if we're going, uh, that's true. Yeah. We're gonna give it to Samu. Uh, Godfather 2013. 
probably better than that at least. Music never stops. Yeah, he doesn't get the kick like Quang. Yeah, okay, I'm fine. I don't care. Uh, 212 is Quang from 1995. Okay, sounds right. <laughs> Does it? If you, if you're going into this project <laughs> not knowing anything, would you say by 94 that Quang was the 212? Yeah, I think I would, have, I would have said right around 212. Good call, man. Good call. I, I don't have the force to well, do that. Well, guess what? He's going to move off that real fast and often. <laughs> so by 1996, he's Savio Vega. He has showed up. Savio Vega! Uh, and Savio here, I'll say he's peak face Savio by this point. Like, the rest of 96, he's... No, actually, well, maybe there's more peak Savio, but maybe character-wise, he's at least like... He comes in here, and you know he's like still kind of a threat. <laughs> not to do much, but like just a he's not a throwaway, I guess just to say. Yeah, I didn't do this on purpose, and I usually hate doing this, but like I don't like saying like the note I wrote was this. Mm. But I have to tell you, the first note I wrote was Vince screams Savio Vega. <laughs> he loves it. Yeah. So he's in at 12. He goes right at Mabel, uh, rekindling those issues from Killer okay. 95. But hold on. There's something else going on here. So, and I have to keep bringing it up when it comes up. Okay. Okay. As soon as he comes in, Vince is, Vince goes, this is a guy who's going to make a big difference. I think that he thinks Savio Vega is Fatu. <laughs> you think so? Well, hold on. Cause he goes after Mabel mm. and right after he, Vince is like, this is the kind of difference that Savio can make. <laughs> he needs to make that difference. He said, he said making a difference Three times in 30 seconds. I think it's more likely he was trying to punish Fatu. And like, I'm not even going to use your catchphrase, your gimmick, because you've been so disappointing. Wow. But how long is he, how long has Fatu been the making a difference guy for? Uh, for a bit, since like the summer. Really? It's yeah. that long? Oh, yeah. I think it's like, like August or something. Was Fatu like supposed to take it to the streets and help the youth, but he didn't? Like Michael McDonald. God. I don't know. Like, I, do you think like he told his people to give the the gimmick to Savio? No, I think you're. I, I think it's just a happy coincidence, honestly. Uh, he does take out Mabel with a spin kick, though. Uh, then he goes at Omari. Goes at one, two, three, kid. Then Vince goes. Vince then goes. Vega making a tremendous difference in there now. <laughs> Like, I'm not even, I'm not adding, like, these are just I there. Know. I don't know. He yeah. just throw it down with Dory Funk, which is kind of cool. It takes a suplex. Funk uh, nails him with a nasty uppercut. Yeah. Like, yeah. really nasty. And thank heavens Jake is in there, because otherwise Savio is the top face in the match at this point. Right. Yep. I also hate that Savio has his full name written on his back. Yeah. It's not just Savio. It's not just Vega. It's not a uh, Caribbean legend. Savio Vega. Like, I'm not going to forget. Vince is screaming it all the time. Well, Vader catches him and throws him in the corner. Mm-hmm. And we get the real classic Vader strike fest. Uh, and then the just... classic uh, Savio dance around on rubber legs and punch. Yeah, this pure rubber legs stooging around. He's really battered. He actually eats a DDT from Jake. And he's like just struggling. Ever since that Vader barrage, he's just been like a mess. I think, okay, a couple things. I think that DDT was not supposed to happen. No. Because I think Jake grabbed it. it, I don't want to encourage you to watch it again, but anybody else watch it again. Jake grabs him in the DDT and he's clearly yelling at Vader. Like he's like, 
he's yelling at Vader to come and hit him. And then Vader doesn't, so he drops him with the DDT. And oh, then a couple so You think that was supposed to be the elimination? Yeah. And then he does it to somebody else. And then Vader gets the elimination on the DDT like a couple of right. minutes later. In retrospect, after Vader punched the shit out of him, should he should have just been tossed, right? Maybe, but I kind of like him as a crash test dummy in here. So um, <laughs> he does come back with a sidekick on oh, Vader, yes. but then he gets pulled into Yoko's orbit and he's smothered. And then he pinballs around like he kind of goes at Holly and Hunter, but then Vega and um, Vader end up back together. And Savio just ends up like a punching bag for him and Yoko, which was a cool moment because someone needed to sell that team. Yeah, that was being teased. So seeing him uh, just get the shit pounded out of him by both guys was like really fun. He just sold it so well. He gets completely splattered and then gets tossed out. So I think from a rumble perspective, it wasn't too great, but I thought he did a great job getting Yoko and Vader over, just taking a beating. He didn't do much else. Like that was so well executed. It was just enough. And I actually liked, I liked that part of it. I, I like that part too. I just feel like he lost his fire after that first Vader beating. Mm. I mean, he does kind of get, he does kind of like get involved with Triple H. Now maybe my Triple H fandom would have gone differently if he had tossed Savio here. Possible. Uh, but then him and Triple H team up against Vader. And is that the last time they team up until No Way Out of Texas? Uh, yes, I would say so. And I love, too, that at one point, um, Perfect goes, Owen Hart has the greatest martial arts kick in the WWF. And Vince agrees. That's the sign for me that Quang is truly gone, right? Yes, that's the spirit is lift. <laughs> but, yes, I love the way they just fucking smash him. Like, like they body slam him. Vader <laughs> slashes him. Yoko drops the leg on him. Like, he's dead. Like, he should not even get up. Right. Like, if you want to tighten it up, what you could do is have just go into the from the Vader punishing in the corner right into Yoko, like, and then yeah. throw him out. You got to get the Yoko stuff in. So, yeah, if that wasn't gonna be back to back, I'm fine with him hanging around because it's too good. Problem is the only problem, well, not a problem, but I think there's like about three four minutes between the initial Vader brigade and then him getting killed. Yeah, that's what I mean. So maybe they could have done more. Maybe that could have been tighter together. Yeah, I, I agree. That that's probably fair. Um, I'm at a two for presentation. Uh, I gave him a one. Mm. I'm at a two for work. Okay, I'll balance that out because I gave him a three. I thought his selling was so good during that double beating. Yeah, I guess I kind of put that into presentation that he kind of right. like hung with them without dying. I guess. Mm. Um, I'm at a one for effectiveness, though. I gave him a two. I thought he really – I mean, he had the elimination, and but I thought he also did such a good job of making Vader – even if you leave the Yoko part out, this is Vader's debut. <laughs> and part two, it's almost, I know it's hindsight, but the next night he finishes the job. <laughs> Vader destroying him before murdering Gorilla Monsoon. So right. um, it, it like led to that match on Raw, the fallout from here, and then helps put Vader over some more. So I kind of like that part of it, that Salvio is really like just doing this amazing job of getting Vader established. It's really the best Vader looks for like six months. For, for like ever. <laughs> Well, at least um, until, like, he really gets to the Sean feud. Right. Who does he eliminate? I have him as an elimination here, but who does he toss out? Um, why I don't have this written down. Did it happen? Was he part of, like, a group of people throwing somebody out? Oh, like, uh, maybe. Uh, well, it wasn't Yoko, right? No. Yoko and Vader are both um, Sean. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, Mabel? Oh, yeah. Mabel. 
Okay, so he's with he's with the group of people that throw at Mabel. Let me just That's, double check here. Um, yeah, I was bringing it up. No, Yoko throws on Mabel. He eliminates uh, Dory. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. That's how insignificant yeah. it was. Right. It probably happened off camera or something. Right. All right. Well, all that to be said, that lands Savio Vega 1996 with a whopping 11 points, which is very high for him. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad. Better than the Texas tornado in 1992. Mm, yeah. The, the Vader Yoko segment's really good. Better than tornado fighting flare. No. Okay. Fine. What about the Red Rooster 89? Yeah. You were higher on that one than I was. Right. I would say this is better than that. Okay. I, I, I tend to agree. So that Savio Vega 1996 is the 121st best Rumble appearance of all time. Now, our last version of this podcast, whenever that is, is going to be reading all of the from like. <laughs> that's it. Just the one episode. That's all. Entry it is. 1200 <laughs> to entry one. Mm, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be the best. Now, when you looked at 1997, I think I originally put something wrong in the spreadsheet, right? You did. Um, so his duration here, uh, he's in at number 19. He's in it for 46 seconds. But in in the sheet originally, because you filled this all out, yeah. I believe it was like 2740. It was something ridiculous. Oh, wow. There. It was like, it was so off. And it literally, I was so angry when I looked at it. I'm like, you are fucking kidding me. This guy's in this whole match. And I didn't remember. I'm like, well, what what was he doing in this match the whole time? And then I watched it. And when he gets eliminated 46 seconds in, I don't think I've ever been happier in my life. I'm like, oh my God, this is an amazing treat. Like he's not in for 40 minutes. Um, I forget how long you said it was. It was like 20 minutes at least or 17 minutes, something like that. I, I was dreading it. And I'm like, fucking A. Uh, so he goes flying down. Yeah. The Austin alone in the ring. Uh, JR off their feud plays off their feud the year before. Yeah. Yeah. JR Vince are yelling about their feud. Um, and then Austin just throws him out and that's it. He's just a piece of the Austin push. So it was beautiful. Well, I will say, I will say, I think there's some really like, not only the announcers talk about it, but they fight like they've been feuding for a year. Right. Yeah. Like they, they roll around. There's some urgency. And then there's a really great, um, great little move he does where he slingshots Austin into the corner and then like runs into the ropes and gives the spinning heel kick. But between the two of them, I thought the timing was great. Mm -hmm. Like it just really flowed really well. (laughs) Yeah, they have really good chemistry um, for sure. So it's almost like Stone Cold Steve Austin is one of the greatest of all time. And Sevilla Vega is one of the best sellers ever. Gotta be it. I didn't see the uh, stumble around rubber <laughs> legs, sadly. Uh, but also the way he kind of gets into Austin, like he tries to roll mm. Austin up and then Austin just stun guns him and he gets clotheslined out. And I feel this is exactly how all of their encounters should go. You can't tell, but every time you play it, I'm dancing. <laughs> can't help it. Um, I liked his energy in this one. I still think he's a zero for presentation, though. Same Z's. I gave him a one because I like the energy for work. I like the energy. I like the the urgency of the punches. And I like the timing of the slingshot into the spin heel kick. So it basically balances out. I gave a zero here, but I gave the one for effectiveness. I thought he was really good. Just like in 96, helping get Austin over during his big Jesus push here. So same idea though. Yeah, exactly. I went a zero at effectiveness. Um, I It is interesting that like, it's like this when with Austin destroying him like this, 
it really kind of feels like Austin is past the mid. Not that he wasn't already, right, but he's right. like it's like really saying goodbye to the mid card. Yeah, yeah, he's just like you knew Salvio had no chance. No, uh, that's a two. Fuck, there's a million twos. Is he better than Dino Bravo in 1990? Mm, yeah, probably. No, okay. well, Dino's with Quake. Yeah, yeah, no. I know that's fine. Martel 95. Probably. Yeah, uh, it probably means more than whatever Martel did in 95. Yeah, I don't think Martel does much. Uh, yeah, that's 231st. <laughs> okay. And we have one more. <coughs> one more. Savio Vega, sadly. Is that Another Conan? Great. Is Conan Another. singing that? Another great theme. Oh, yeah. He comes out with all of them. He comes out at number 26, so near the end. In Very late for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he comes out with all of the fucking Bariquas, and they're all wearing like fucking jeans with a million pockets and a tank top tucked in. But it's better than the ice cream suits that they had when they first showed up, when they were wearing yes. the all white. Yeah, they should be singing on a corner like. Hello, hello, hello. Baby on board. <laughs> the B sharps. <laughs> yeah. Uh actually I like the escalation over his career. Like his first one was number four, then number nine, then number twelve, yeah. then number nineteen, then number twenty six. It's kind of like not, no one else really has that so far. No, another thing no one else has that he has is that he's thrown out exclusively. By, with the, I guess, the exception of Sione, but exclusively by WCW castaways. Right. Uh, Kevin I mean, Nash. Sione would be a future castaway of WCW. Well, was, he was in the WCW before he was in WWF, right? Oh, uh, yes, he was. Yep, 92. He had a little spurt. You just don't look at it the same way, right? And, but, and the powers of Bane, they were there, too. So That's it. Yeah, but it's Vader, Steve Austin, mm-hmm. Kevin Nash. <laughs> WCW hated him. Yeah. I also hated him during this period. Who threw him out in 95? Sione. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. But here, here, yes, he comes out the whole crew. Um, they go right at Austin, but it backfires. Of course, the gimmick here is that Austin has the bounty on his head. Uh, everyone's trying to get him out. Not the official bounty, but he was the big target. Everyone's trying to eliminate him because he's a favorite. Uh, Austin clears out the rest of them, except for Savio, who slips out of the stunner, which, again, was kind of cool because we get Austin and Savio. It's like this never-ending feud. Um, like he's always going gunning for him. The, the ring is really jammed at this point, so there's really yeah. nothing to do. So he just like set, settles in against the ropes. He gets some more f- time with Austin. He keeps finding his way back to Austin. He's one of the few guys not wearing black too. Right. Like everyone is wearing black in this rumble, except for like him and like one other guy kind of thing. Right. I, what a year for Savio because last time we mm-hmm. heard him in '97, it was still dun, dun, dun. and in that dun, period he joined dun, the dun, he joined the uh, Black Supremacy dun, Group. Then he joined another, like he had a, a busy mm-hmm. year in terms of affiliations. Well, in that rumble, we didn't talk about, it, we talked about 97, but it's like the very end of his face run. Like he, I think it's like a week later he turns or that week at MSG, he turns on Ahmed. So right. that's, that's like literally his last big thing as a face. Getting beat up by Steve Austin. Um, I feel like he should have come into this match and been eliminated immediately. Because there is zero focus on him for the entire time he's in there. Well, like it's, it's just like it's impossible when you're in there in that mat in that setting because it's the ring is so crammed. No one has anything to do. Yeah, I think Austin should have just chucked him when he chucked the rest of the break was it is to yeah. clear them all out. Um, anytime he got back to Austin, he showed a little energy, but otherwise there's nothing. And Austin throws him out. So again, too crowded. There's no room to do anything. 
just kind of took shots at Austin here and there. So I, I mean, I just went, I went one for presentation because they talk about him as like a bit of a threat. And like the briefcase have been just, presented kind of strong. just main event at a pay-per-view the month before. Or a month later, no, the month after this. So I, I thought he was actually presented okay, uh, but that's it. Uh, no, no points or anything else. I don't think it's his fault. I would have loved it if Austin grabbed all four of them, like yeah. two in each hand, and right. threw them out together like garbage. Yeah. Uh, but that lands him with a one because I'm all zeros. Uh, that oh, there's not that many ones. Is he better than Damian Demento in 1993? Um, I mean, probably. Fine. He's at least fighting like the top guy in here and they have history and all that. So like there's something to it. All right. 247th. Okay. So sadly, no change to our top, uh, our top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this about Savio though. Um, five Royal Rumbles, right? Uh, which is, is not bad. Five Royal Rumbles. Uh, total time in the ring, 31 minutes, 55 seconds. Only two eliminations in that time. Hmm. Not very much. So, do we want to let's uh, let's close it off by going through our top ten individual performances, shall we? Why not? We do it every time, so let's go for it. Uh, number ten, hanging on, Psycho Sid Justice, nineteen ninety two. Number nine, Bret the Hitman Hart, nineteen ninety four. Number eight, The Ultimate Warrior, nineteen ninety. Number seven, Hulk Hogan, nineteen ninety. Number six, Shawn Michaels, 1996. Number five, The Undertaker, 2002. Number four, Shawn Michaels, 2007. Number three, Hulk Hogan, 1989. Number two, Shawn Michaels, 2010. And number one, Ric Flair, 1992. Have you noticed in the top ten, Bret Hart is there once and Shawn Michaels is there three times? It's almost like he's a better Rumble performer. I guess that'd be, yeah, I guess so. Um, then we have our top 10 performers based on a cumulative total. Uh, you had to have been in three rumbles based on a percentage of your appearances. Um, so Savio Vega, sadly, out of the 41 we've ranked so far, finishes 34. Mm. Uh, well, actually, we can decide. Is he better or worse than Coco Beware? Worse. Much, much worse. But that's where I put him, so that's fine. Right below him is Hawk Dunk Man and Dino Bravo, just so you know where he's at in terms of close to guys. And our top 10 performers are... Number 10, Jake the Snake Roberts. Number 9, Mr. Perfect. Number 8, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Number 7, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Number 6, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Number 5, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Number 4, Brett the Hitman Hart. Number 3, The Undertaker. Number 2, Shawn Michaels. Hanging on, number 1, the Immortal Hulk Hogan. All right, so that'll do it. We'll be back on this show in two weeks. So we'll be back every other two weeks on Saturdays as well, Aaron and I, with No Holds Bar. And, of course, you can check out all the other great content we talked about earlier right here on the North-South Connection. So till next time, keep on rolling. Yeah. Con el fuego en los ojos traigo guerra Represento los soldados que murieron por mi tierra No traigas la bulla si no quiere boca rota Boricuas en la casa Garantizan tu derrota Ven para una cosa, todo el mundo ven para aquí Enemigos caerán for the one, two, three Si no aguanta el calor, pues no entre a mi fuego Que te quito el machismo, sufrirá ya y te dejo So, manos pa' arriba Hands up high Manos pa' arriba Touch the sky Soy de Puerto Rico como ella 
no hay más rica Duro como la roca porque si yo soy boricua Mírame los ojos cuando digas mi nombre No me confrontes si no eres su nombre Viajo por el mundo, represento tantas veces Somos los boricuas, nuestro army crece